Hi, this is Josh, and welcome to the Baseball Week, a weekly look around Major League Baseball. It is the wrapping up the penultimate week of the regular season. It really is beginning to feel like fall outside, and the playoff playoffs are just over the horizons. The playoff races finish up. So we're going to jump in, first take a look at our team, player, and pitcher of the week, and then we'll take a look at those playoff races and where they stand with just a few games left to go. Player of the week this week, a very close race between a few players. I'm going to give the edge to Anthony Rendon of the Washington Nationals. Rendon hit 478 this week with a 1449 OPS, that's on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. He had three home runs, 10 RBI. Um, in six games for the Nationals this week, a really, really strong week. Fortunately for Rendon and the Nationals, they were eliminated from postseason uh, contention this past week, officially eliminated on Saturday when the Cardinals won a game, which eliminated the Nationals from the wild card race. It's been a very disappointing season for the Nationals. There's no two ways about it. They've been hovering around 500 for quite a while now, and they were a team that was one of the favorites to win the National League at the beginning of the year. So Rendon had a great week, but uh, unfortunately, the larger scale for the Nationals, it's been a disappointing campaign for them. Uh, other candidates for Player of the Week this week, by the way, really close race. Tommy Pham of the Tampa Bay Rays had a great week as well, as did Robinson Cano of the Seattle Mariners and others. Pitcher of the Week this week is going to go to Trevor Williams of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Trevor Williams went 2-0 and this week with a 0 ERA. Very good ERA. 12 innings pitched. He had a whip, a box, and hits per innings pitch of just .75, which is very, very good. Opponents average against of just 146, which is also very, very good. 14 strikeouts as well, uh, as opposed to just three walks and no home runs allowed. So this was a great week for Trevor Williams, who's had a really good season for the Pirates overall. This year, Trevor Williams is 14-9 and with a 3.04 earned run average for the Pirates in 165 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's been under the radar this year for sure, but a really, really strong season. When you look at those numbers and you're thinking top five, top ten, at least top ten for the Cy Young Award balloting, you would suspect for a pitcher who's not gotten a lot of attention for a team that's not gotten a lot of attention this year. The Pirates were not supposed to do much this year, and they are a couple games over 500. They haven't um, been noticed much because they've kind of been in the very, very periphery of the playoff race. But a couple games over 500 for a team that was expected by many to struggle. It's been a pretty solid year for the Pirates as they look toward what they hope will be a continually brighter future in the years to come. But Trevor Williams, our pitcher of the week. Our team of the week is the St. Louis Cardinals, who have uh, taken hold of the second wild card spot right now in the National League. The Cardinals had a tough stretch two weeks ago with loss to the Pirates and then three straight losses to the Dodgers. It really put their playoff hopes in a more precarious position. Since then, though, starting last Sunday, the Cardinals beat the Dodgers in the last game in that series. They then won two of three from the Atlanta Braves, and they won the first two games in a series against the San Francisco Giants. The Cardinals are now a game and a half up on the Colorado Rockies for the second wild card spot, a few games back of the Brewers for the first wild card spot. Cardinals play the Giants again today, set Sunday the 23rd, and then they wrap up playing the Brewers and the Cubs. So the Cardinals really control their own playoff uh, lives at this point as they hold that second wild card spot right now. And if they keep playing well, you could see them in the postseason after what's been such an impressive second half for the Cardinals. They were around 500 at 
the All-Star break, and they've really taken off in the second half. Uh, one big reason for that is Matt Carpenter, the MVP candidate for the Cardinals. Carpenter was hitting 140, a 140 batting average in the middle of May. 140 batting average, and he might win the MVP, which shows just how incredible his past few months have been. There is a great article on Carpenter in Sports Illustrated this past week, which details uh, his career, how he went from a heavily recruited college player to someone who was struggling in college, and the making the major leagues was the farthest thing from uh, his mind and from his performance at certain points, but he turned his career around, made some changes to his life, got more disciplined, and was drafted, even after he was drafted, though he was not a prospect. He was, it seemed like, a player kind of put into the Cardinals' uh, minor league system to fill a place to get some organizational depth, but he just kept playing well, kept playing well, kept playing well, made the majors, kept playing well, made some all-star teams, kept playing well, and he might win MVP this year. So it's not always the brightest prospects that have the brightest careers. Sometimes it's the players that just keep on working super hard and keep on doing everything they can possibly do, and Matt Carpenter is a prime example of that. Him and the St. Louis Cardinals might be returning to the postseason in just a couple weeks. For our stat of the week, we're going to turn to the Cleveland Indians. The Indians' starting pitching rotation, which became the first rotation ever in the history of Major League Baseball to have four pitchers with 200 or more strikeouts in a single season. We have four Indian starters who have done it this year, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco, and Mike Clevenger, all with 200 or more strikeouts this year. Again, no one's ever done that before in the history of baseball. Only three teams have ever had three starters with 200 or more strikeouts, and Cleveland has four a remarkable achievement that speaks to um, the skill and the depth of Cleveland's starting pitching staff. Um, again, amazingly, very few teams have ever had three. And amazingly, Cleveland is not even first in baseball in strikeouts this year. In fact, Cleveland is fifth in the major leagues in pitcher strikeouts this year. So this also speaks to just how common, how ubiquitous strikeouts are in the game today. But either way, however you slice it, a remarkable achievement for the Indians as they get ready to return to the postseason and as they hope uh, get that elusive World Series that has been such a long time since the Indians have won, uh, since the 1940s Cleveland has not won a World Series, and they're certainly hoping to break that, break that mark, that dubious mark, this year. A couple other notes about Cleveland and the strikeouts, by the way. This uh, stat about there only being three teams with three pitchers with 200-plus strikeouts may be inaccurate by the time you hear it because... On Sunday, Charlie Morton is pitching for the Houston Astros, and if he gets five strikeouts, he'll reach 200 for the year, joining Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, who are already in the 200 strikeout club this year, which would put Houston as uh, another team with three pitchers with 200 or more strikeouts in the season. So yes, yeah, strikeouts, they are very, very common nowadays, as common seemingly as they've ever been. Uh, in addition, I want to mention that Cleveland's rotation last year set the record for highest war for a rotation ever. According to Fangraphs, Cleveland's war last year was 31.9. And again, that was the best single-season war for a starting pitching staff ever. Cleveland does lead baseball in war for our starting pitchers this year as well, 21.6, which isn't too shabby either. But suffice it to say, it's been a good couple-year stretch for the Cleveland Indians starting pitchers. 
One other great individual performance to discuss this past week, that of Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers. Yelich hit his second cycle of the season this past week, and not just his second cycle of the season, his second cycle of the season against the Cincinnati Reds. And not just Yelich's second cycle of the season against the Cincinnati Reds, but his second cycle of the season against the Cincinnati Reds in the past few weeks. Yelich had gone 6-for-6 against the Reds, hitting for the cycle on August 30th, and now here we are just a few weeks later in mid-September, and Yelich did it again, cycling against the Reds for the Brewers. Yelich is just the fourth player in baseball history to have two cycles in the same season. The others are Long John Riley of 1883, Tip O'Neill in 1887, and Babe Herman in 1931, and Aaron Hill in 2012. So Yelich, again, sorry if I misspoke there, but the fifth player ever to do that. Four players have done it previously. Two cycles in the same season. Yelich has been one of the best players in the National League, one of the very best players, maybe the best player in the second half of the season. And he is also an MVP frontrunner, along with Chris Carpenter and a couple others who throw Javi Baez of the Cubs into the mix as well. Uh, Yelich has been certainly leader for the Brewers in his first year with the team after getting traded from the Miami Marlins. It's interesting if you look at, at wins above replacement for the Brewers. Lorenzo Cain has also great numbers for the team, which you wonder if that will hurt Yelich's MVP uh, case at all because Cain has been such a great defender too, really helping his wins above replacement. But however you slice it, Christian Yelich has been awesome for the Brewers this year, really, really awesome for the Brewers in the second half of the season. He might win the batting title. He... Um, already has two cycles in the past few weeks, so that's right there, pretty darn impressive. So will the MVP be Carpenter? Will it be Yelich? Will it be Javi Baez of the Cubs? I think right now those are probably the three leading candidates in the National League, uh, but there's certainly other people who could get it as well. Uh, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Freddie Freeman, Jacob deGrom, but Really, when you look at Carpenter, Yelich, and Baez, these three guys are all on teams who would be in the playoffs right now, and they've all been really the centerpiece of their teams down the stretch. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be a fun MVP race. And uh, one other note about Yelich, this brings us to our trivia question of the week. Because while Yelich has two cycles, and that's really very good, there is one active player who has three career cycles. Can you name the active player with three career cycles. And if you want a really, really hard bonus question, there is actually four players all time with three cycles in their career. Can you name the four? Uh, But really, you get full credit if you can name one active player to do it, because naming all four, if you don't know, this would be borderline impossible. So we will, let me say that again, we will reveal the episode, the answer at the end of the episode. We will reveal the answer at the end of the episode. There we go. Stay tuned. All right, so where are we in the standings as we reach the time of year and many teams begin clinching their playoff spots? Well, some teams have clinched. Uh, We talked previously about a couple of them, but we'll just run through all the teams that have clinched thus far. In the American League, Boston has clinched their division. The New York Yankees have clinched a wild card spot, so everything is settled there. In the American League East, the Tampa Rays have not quite been eliminated, but they're going to be very soon. Uh, They've had a great year. But they actually had a game this week where they lost a six-run lead in the bottom of the ninth inning to the Toronto Blue Jays, who scored seven in the bottom of the ninth to get the win, which was a brilliant comeback. Tough loss for Tampa, but really, even if Tampa had won that game, 
They're going to be on the outside looking into the playoffs this year because the top of the American League is just so strong. Uh, but a great year for Tampa, and they look well-positioned for the future. Central, Cleveland has clinched that division. This was Cleveland's division for months. They've officially clinched it now. And in the American League West, Houston has clinched a playoff spot. Oakland very, very close to clinching the wild-card spot. Houston with a three-and-a-half game lead on Oakland in the division. So while Oakland has a slight chance to catch them for the division, most likely the American League is going to continue its consistent playoff positioning of having Boston, Cleveland, and Houston win their divisions, with the Yankees and Oakland making the playoffs. Perhaps the most interesting race is who will be home field in that wild-card playoff game between most likely the Yankees and Oakland. Right now the Yankees have a a game-and-a-half lead over Oakland, uh, so it's close enough where that could change, and home field could really be a big deal in a one-game playoff like that. But that's the American League right now, uh, kind of moving along, pretty similar to how it has been really for the last couple months. Well, how about that National League? Let's start in the National League East, where the Atlanta Braves have clinched the division over the Philadelphia Phillies. This was a very close race for a while, but the Braves pulled away the past few weeks, and they have again clinched the division on yesterday on Saturday uh, with a win over the Phillies. Uh, so the Braves are heading back to the postseason for the first time in a few years. The Phillies have not officially been eliminated from the wild card race, but they look like they're going to be very, very soon. The Nationals have officially been eliminated from the wild card race, so it's looking like the National League East will just have the Braves in the postseason. National League Central, the Chicago Cubs continue to hold a lead in the division, up two and a half on Milwaukee, four and a half on the Cardinals. But right now, both Milwaukee and the Cardinals would be in the playoffs with, as the two wild card spots as well, and that division is not wrapped up yet either. So right now it's looking good in the National League Central. Pittsburgh, again, has not officially been eliminated, but they look like they're going to be soon. And the National League West, the Dodgers have taken over first place in the National League West. They have a game-and-a-half lead on the Colorado Rockies, who are the team that is on the outside looking in but still has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs because the Rockies are just a a game-and-a-half behind the Dodgers for the division and just a a game-and-a-half behind the Cardinals for the second wild card spot. So it'll be interesting to see if the Rockies can get into the postseason. Also because the Rockies have a run differential of minus one. Every other team who's in the postseason has a run differential firmly in the positives. This goes for both leagues. So the Rockies trying to kind of break in um, to the party here despite a much lower run differential than any other team who's still in the thick of contention. Rockies are a really interesting team. Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story both having MVP caliber years. Kyle Freeland having an incredible year pitching. Uh, he would His numbers would win the Cy Young a lot of years, quite frankly. It's just been so strong this year with DeGrom and Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola, uh, the three National League East pitchers who have had such great years as well. But it will be very interesting, one of the big stories the last week and a half of the season, to see if the Rockies can find their way into the postseason. One other update on a note we've been following. Will J.D. Martinez get the Triple Crown this year? It's looking unlikely at this point. He is 10 points back in batting average, hitting three twenty nine, second to his teammate Mookie Betts, who's hitting three thirty nine. Uh, J.D. Martinez is also a couple home runs back of the lead. J.D. Martinez has 41 home runs. Chris Davis of the A's has 45. So it's going to be J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez, excuse me, is going to need a great final week. Uh, to catch these guys, to catch Chris Davis and Mookie Betts, who are having wonderful seasons in their own right. So a triple crown looks unlikely, but hey, top two in those three stats, in RBI, home runs, and batting average, not too shabby either. 
Uh, so J.D. Martinez has been such a big addition to the Boston Red Sox. Teammates rave about how he's just such a student and a teacher of hitting as well, how much he's helped the rest of the team. Uh, in a lot of ways, that's worth more than a triple crown is anyway. So kudos to J.D. Martinez for his amazing season with the Boston Red Sox. And to wrap up, we want to look at something great about Major League Baseball, and something great this week is Victor Martinez of the Detroit Tigers. Martinez played his last career game yesterday on Saturday, September 22nd, before he's retiring at the end of the season. And in his last at-bat, Victor Martinez got an infield single. A little, little bit ironic for a player not known for his speed, but wonderful that Martinez was able to end his career with a hit. Uh, he was then pulled from the game uh, to a standing ovation, of course. Pre-season, uh, pre-game ceremony for Martinez as well by the Tigers. Martinez, such a big part of that franchise. In addition to being such a great player, such a respected, well-respected player by fans, by his teammates, really one of the true gentlemen of the game. Uh, Martinez said, uh, fighting back tears before the game, from the bottom of my heart, I can only say thank you. Thank you for being behind us all these years, supporting my teammates, supporting myself. Thank you very much. And Martinez spoke with the team after the game in the clubhouse, and Ron Gardenhire, the Tigers manager, spoke to how impactful and how respected uh, Victor Martinez is. Uh, Gardenhire said, um, you know, being a part of watching him end his career and seeing how professional he is and how much he's meant to this clubhouse. It's been a pleasure, I can tell you that. If you could have been in that clubhouse and seen him in there, all the players were looking at him, and you could see how much they respected him. That tells you all you need to know about this guy. He spoke to the guys, and it was heartfelt. I was looking at the players' eyes. You see things like this in the game, and it really tells you how much baseball really means to people. We could talk about Victor Martinez's stats, how he finished his career as a uh, 295 batting average, 246 home runs, 1,178 RBI, five All-Star games, two Silver Slugger awards, but that does not tell the full story of Victor Martinez's career does not tell the full story of Victor Martinez as a person and what a legacy he leaves in Detroit and in Cleveland and in Boston and every major league field, every minor league field that he touched because uh, he's just the kind of person who, as Gardenhire said, people look at, people remember, people listen to, people respect. So congratulations to Victor Martinez for such a wonderful, wonderful career. And we wish him all the best with everything that's to come for him and his family. We want to wrap up this week's episode, as we always do, with something great about Major League Baseball, and that's something great this week is Victor Martinez, who retired, or is retiring at the end of the season, after a brilliant career, and who played his last career game just yesterday on Saturday, ending his career with a hit, a infield single in the first inning, after which he was removed from the game to a standing ovation. Uh, Martinez has had such a brilliant career. I'm not going to talk a lot about the stats, though, because that's, in a lot of ways, not his legacy. Uh, before the game, Martinez was honored with the pregame ceremony where he said, fighting back tears from the bottom of my heart, I can only say thank you. Thank you for being behind us all these years, supporting my teammates, supporting myself. Thank you very much. Martinez, after the game, spoke to the clubhouse, and Ron Gardenhire, the Tigers' manager, spoke about what an impact Martinez has had in so many ways. Uh, Gardenhire said, that's been the coolest part for me, the coolest part of this year for me, being a part of watching him end his career and seeing how professional he is and how much he's meant to this clubhouse. It's been a pleasure, I can tell you that. 
Gardenhire continued saying if you could have been in that clubhouse and seen him in there, talking about Martinez addressing the team after the game. All the players were looking at him, and you can see how much they respected him. That tells you all you need to know about this guy. He spoke to the guys, and it was heartfelt. I was looking at the players' eyes. You see things like this in the game, and it really tells you how much baseball really means to people. Victor Martinez does have great stats. He hit two ninety five in his career, two ninety five batting average, 246 home runs, 1,178 RBI, five all-star teams, two Silver Slugger awards. A great, great player for the Tigers, for the Indians, for the Red Sox. Memorable player wherever he went. But such a well-respected player, such a gentleman of the game, such an ambassador of the game. Victor Martinez is a player that, whether you rooted for him or you rooted against the team that he played for, he was a player that I've never heard anybody say a bad word about, to be sure. And it's wonderful that he had such a wonderful career and that it had it ended in such a nice way the other day that he got to have a hit in his last at-bat because Victor Martinez and careers like his is what makes baseball so great. We want to wrap up this week with our trivia answer. Again, the question, Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers has two cycles now this year, but who is the only active player with three cycles in their career? And the answer to that is future Hall of Famer, current Texas Ranger, Adrian Beltre. Uh, there are three other players all-time with three career cycles. Those are John Riley, Bob Musial, Babe Herman. If you got all four of those answers, that's incredible. If you got Adrian Beltre, that's certainly enough for full credit for this week's trivia question. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening this week. Feel free to reach out to us at thebaseballweek at gmail.com. That's thebaseballweek at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Take care.